two weeks ago, we began a series here at Walk Church that we titled, Believe in the Miracle. Believe in the Miracle. It came out of my study of Luke chapter 1 as I was rereading the Christmas story and beginning to see all the different highlight moments of Christmas revolving around miracles. Um, The highlight one, the major one, is the virgin birth of Christ. But before we get there, there's so many powerful moments this trail of God's grace that leads us to the manger scene in Bethlehem. So two weeks ago, we talked about this power couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were minding their own business in their old age. Though they were unable to have children, Zechariah showed up at the temple doing his priestly duty. He was nominated and given this awesome opportunity to pray for the nation. And it was during this time that the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, spoke to him, and said, your prayer has been heard. How many of you guys are thankful that God hears prayer? Amen? Amen. He does. He does. He heard Zechariah's prayer and responded to his prayer in the perfect timing. And he lets Zechariah know. He says, behold, you're going to have a baby, and you shall name his name John, and he will prepare the way of the Lord. He went and shared this news with Elizabeth, and six months later, they were pregnant, and they were rejoicing in all that God was doing in their life, and it was six months later during this time that God sent his angel Gabriel again, this messenger, this missionary, to speak now to this young girl named Mary, and I want you to be reminded that Mary, most scholars believe, was in between the ages of 12 to 14, that she was a young middle school-aged girl. Most likely uneducated, coming from the town of Nazareth, this poor reputation type of town. What good could come out of Nazareth? Jesus Christ can. And, and Mary's there, minding her own business, and the angel Gabriel's back and appears to her and speaks to her and tells her that God has chosen her to give birth to the Savior of the world and that he will forgive the sin of the world, that he would be the one to save. His name is Jesus, Yahshua, the Savior. And Mary said, how could this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel spoke back to her, spoke over her and talked about how the, the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and a, a natural thing would at this point become a supernatural thing and God had chosen her for this task. And Mary at that moment responds with faith by saying, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be done to me as you have said. What if we all just had that mindset? Every day we woke up, we just said, Lord, I'm your servant today. Let it be done. Whatever you call me to do, I'm going to follow you. That was Mary's heart. And so now we pick it back up here directly after this moment. The angel departs from her, and Luke chapter 1, verse 39 is where we land. Let's go ahead and read and set the stage for our message today. The scripture says that in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you, young woman, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 43 says, Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. 
Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said. I just want to pause right there for a moment. This, and Mary said. Now, if I were to guess what Mary said, my guess would be all over the map. I'm not sure what Mary had to say after this moment, if I were just to assume or if I were to read into it. And here's why I say that. Because Mary, if she were like me and what she's not, she's, she's stronger than me. But I would say Mary has much reason to worry. Now maybe you would say, well, why would Mary need to worry or why would she have reason to worry? Well, first off, if the angel Gabriel shows up to, to you in your space, that may cause a little bit of worry. But if the angel's announcement is that you are a virgin, but you're going to have a baby, that might bring some worry. Or maybe if he goes further and says, and you're not just going to have a baby, but this baby is going to be the son of God, the Messiah, the one who was and is to come, the one who you've been reading about, Mary, that's going to save everybody, he's coming from you. Th that would maybe turn into worry, but we'll see. You know, not only that, she has very little money. What, what, what is she thinking, right? What's going on in her mind? How am I going to raise the Son of God? How am I going to support the Son of God? Maybe she's worried about what is my fiance going to say when I show up and say, so I'm not really sure how to say this, but I'm pregnant. It's the Son of God, and it's a real baby, but I promise you I'm faithful. And what, what, maybe I'm worried about him leaving me. Or maybe I'm worried about my parents disowning me. Or maybe I'm worried about what my schoolmates might say. Or maybe I'm worried about my reputation in the town, this small town Nazareth. Or maybe I'm worried about what the Jewish law says, that those who commit adultery could be punished up to by death or dragged into the city and beaten according to the tradition of the land to, to give a witness and an example of what not to do. Mary could be concerned about her reputation, her health, her finances, or the rest of her life. What if she, what if she had a dream, right? Like, what if she was like, you know what, I'm about to be a business leader, an entrepreneur, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm, I'm never going to get, you know, I'm, I'm not going, we're not going to have babies, we're going to do it all like this and save and all that. And now she's thinking, what? What do I do with this? I think Mary has reason to, to, to be worried, but as we read what she says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. This is known as Mary's song. We learned something new about Mary in this sermon, in this study. What I learned was that Mary was not just a young lady who had faith, that Mary is a worshiper, that Mary is a songwriter. This is Mary the Magnificent song that she wrote. And even in these four poetic stanzas of her song, there's much more to go in the song. But as I began to read, I began to just pause in just these four points. 
And here's what hit me. That Mary, though has much reason to worry about a whole lot of different issues, what blows my mind, church, is that Mary chooses to turn her worry into worship. That when Mary has every reason to worry, every worldly issue possible could be happening in her mind and in her soul and in her heart, she says, I'm not going to worry, I'm going to worship. She says, I'm going to turn my sorrow into a song. She goes, I'm going to turn my petition into praise. I, I got a song to write. Somebody give me a pad and a pen while she's on her way to visit Elizabeth, her relative. She goes, I got something to write. And here's the first line of her song. Mary, I, I'm thinking Mary says, my soul is in distress. My soul magnifies my problems. My soul magnifies my doubt. But she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. At first, brother, sister, this didn't really move me. I'm reading through Mary's song, looking for this highlight moment, and all of a sudden I'm like, God, what's up with this first line? Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She says, I'm turning my worry into worship. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6 verse 34 says it like this. This same Jesus in her belly would one day grow up to say these words. He says, do not worry about tomorrow. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Right? Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So let me go ahead and give you my first point of the message today. I hope it would help you. Don't worry about tomorrow when you can worship today. If we can learn, there's somebody that was like doing like a golf clap. I'm going to clap with you. Mary had a choice to make. She could use her circumstance to determine how she feels and her response. Or she could say, I'm going to press through all of that. And I'm going to turn my worry into worship. Maybe she heard my sermon, right, from a couple weeks ago, which I was just highlighting. When you're worried about what to do next... Do what you know to do now. Mary said, look, I don't understand all the different steps on my journey to Bethlehem. Mary said, I don't even, I've never even been to Bethlehem. How is that going to work? I don't know how we're even going to get there or how we're going to get the money to get there. I just know that God has called me and I just am called to love him and worship him today. And he'll take care of everything else as long as I do my part today. Amen. She says, you know what, I could choose to do a whole lot of things, but I'm going to choose to worship. Mary was familiar with the law of God. She was a godly woman. You can see in her song, it's informed and filled with Old Testament scripture. So she must have been familiar with the Old Testament law. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see the Shema, this, this famous verse that God had given the people of Israel to study and memorize and quote over their lives. And here's what it says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with, say it with me, with all your soul and with all your might. And here's what he says here. He says, this is what you're called to do now. You're called to love the Lord your God with all your, your soul and all your heart and all your might now. So Mary doesn't need to know steps 8, 9, and 10. She doesn't even need to know steps 2, 3, 4, and 5. Step 1 is to just say, you know what, I'm going to love God with all my soul. 
you know, this right here, this, this outer shell is temporary, isn't it? Right? It's, it's fading away. You know, it's, 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 it's coming and it's going. You could, you could work out. You could be a yoga instructor. You could be a fitness builder, but bodybuilder. You could do all these different things. One day, it's going to be gone. Like, literally, your flesh is going to fade away. But your soul, your soul is going to remain. The spirit that God has given you is going to remain. And Mary says, right now, today, my soul is going to magnify the Lord. I wanted to just highlight this word magnifies because I never really spent much time with magnification. I'm looking at this word. What does it mean to magnify the Lord? And why is that the first verse in Mary's Christmas carol? This is the first ever Christmas song. Mary wrote it. Mary's song, worship. She goes, I'm going to magnify the Lord. Let me give you a definition of the word magnify. The first definition I found, I said, this is fine, I'm going to use it. It means to make something appear larger than it is. Mary says, I have a choice to make today. I've received a calling from God. My mind is blown. Why would he choose me? I don't know, but he's, it's my calling. And I'm going to choose to turn my worry into worship. What Mary does is this. She says, you know what? I'm going to pull out a magnifying glass. And I'm going to take this magnifying glass. And I'm going to put this magnifying glass on the Lord. And he's going to become so much bigger than all my worries. Here's the second point of the sermon today that I want to give you. What we magnify we glorify. What we magnify, we glorify. The things that we magnify become the things that take over our lives. Maybe we'll use these two trees as an example. Let's say that this silver tree is the problems of the world. This right here is, what's my reputation? What are people going to think of me? This is, well, what about my health? I'm just a young girl. This is, what about my parents? What are they going to think? This is, well, how, what, what's my fiance going to think? What if he divorces me? And what if, I'm, what if nobody ever loves me for the rest of my life and I have to raise the Son of God by myself? And, and now let's look at this tree right here. And this right here is the promises of God. This is, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This is, he leads me beside still waters and takes care of all my needs. This is, those who wait on the Lord shall be saved. This is, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. This is, love the Lord your God. His promises are good, faithful and true and everlasting and everlasting. This right here is the promises of God. You have the choice today which one you're going to magnify. Which one you're going to put the magnifying glass on. Because what we magnify, we glorify. What I've found is too often in life, we spend too much time magnifying all these things. And so they begin to consume our minds and our hearts and our lives and our speech and our social medias and everything about us. Problem, 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 issue, worry, worry, worry. I'm just magnifying every single detail about all my struggle. No wonder we live in a day where we see the most antidepressant pills prescribed ever in the world, specifically here in America. People are more burnt out, more, more depressed, struggling with different things mentally and, and physically than ever before. I think it has a lot to do because we're magnifying all the things that are wrong. 
I love Mary's choice. She says, my soul could magnify all my worries and it won't help me a thing. So I'm going to choose to magnify the Lord. And what Mary does is she begins to magnify the Lord and she begins to see that, man, God is good. God is faithful. God is big. God is true. God is kind. God is love. God's going to do with everything, everything that he told me he's going to do. He's, he's going to keep his promise. He's going to provide everything that I need. I don't have to have it figured out. I just have to worship. And I'm going to take my worries, and I'm going to send them up to the Lord, and I'm going to magnify God for all of his promises. Look at that definition with me one more time for magnify, right? Make something appear larger than it is. Isn't that true for our problems? We start magnifying our issues, and all of a sudden, they become so big, and they consume us, right? That who likes to go to lunch with the person that all they want to do is just talk about their problems? Before they even get their order done, they're just like, all right, so did I tell you I got this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem, I feel this way, right? And you're just like, man, I feel bad now. All you're, all you're doing is magnifying your problems. And then, so, wouldn't it be, have you ever been with somebody that they just magnified the Lord? They don't have everything figured out, but they took their magnifying glass and they just put it all over the scriptures. And they just thought, this is when God showed up and delivered the people in Israel. This is when God showed up in Sarah's life. This is where God showed up in Daniel's life. This is where God showed up in my life this morning. This is where God showed up in my life yesterday. He's going to do what he said. He's big enough. He's good enough. He's cool enough. He's today enough able to meet every single need that you and I have. The calling on our lives is to not worry it's to worship, amen? Mary didn't know all the scriptures, but maybe she knew some of the promises. Maybe she began to magnify Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Now, maybe Mary said, you know what? Let me open my Old Testament Torah. Let me look at the prophet Isaiah's words. He said, you keep him in perfect peace. I want some perfect peace. I don't want the world's peace. I don't want temporary peace. I don't want half-perfect peace. I, I need the perfect peace. And Mary's like, all right, now I'm trying to remember that scripture that that pastor talked about at church. Isaiah 20, uh, whose mind is stayed on you, not stayed on problems, not stayed on the world, not stayed on all the different issues, not stayed on social media, not stayed on reality TV shows, not stayed on different things that are going to discourage me, but everybody whose mind is stayed on him, on you, because he trusts in you. Mary said, you know what, I could, I could worry all day long, or I can worship all day long, and I'm choosing to worship, and I see her show up at Elizabeth's house, carrying the Son of God, and she's singing. How does she do that? She chose to worship rather than worry. Sometimes you got to worship your way into worship. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what, I'm, I'm making my choice. Today, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to worship. And at some point while you're magnifying the Lord, it'll hit you that he's in control. That it'll become a joy. It'll be a blessing, not a burden to worship, to trust God. And worship's not just singing, although that's how we see worship expressed here. Worship's giving, worship's trusting. I think the very t eyes that we blink are worship. The fact that we're breathing is the evidence of, of worship to the Lord. Or could we could worship the, the things of this world. It's our choice. I see that Mary chooses to worship the Lord. 
to cast her cares upon him. And she senses God close. First Peter chapter 5, let's just remember another promise. He says, give all your worries and cares to God. Maybe that's just a word for me. But if it's for you, catch it, catch it, receive it. <laughs> give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you, fam, friend. He, he does. He cares about you. Maybe you came in here today thinking, man, God doesn't care about me. He doesn't know who I am. He, why would he be concerned with me, little old me? Well, because he's concerned with the little girl in, in Nazareth as well. And the older couple in Judah as well. And God is concerned with the baby in the womb as well. And God is concerned with your life as well. And, and you can choose how to respond, friend. My encouragement would be that we learn from Mary. And we would respond to our worry with worship. Let me give you the second point in the message here today. What we magnify, we glorify. Before I move past this, I just want you to catch this point. I, I want you just to receive it because we're almost done here today. And I, I, I pray that these points go with you into 2019. One time a, a friend told me, he said, hey, you know, Pastor Hyden, you got to trust Jesus because, you know, he's like the co-pilot on the plane. And I've, as I've studied this, I'm beginning to learn that Jesus isn't the co-pilot. He's the whole plane. He's not just the pilot. He's the whole thing. And we need to trust him with our very lives that we get on the plane. Has anybody ever told you this is like the dumbest thing somebody could say? When you go on the plane, they say, have a safe flight. Like, you have any control over that. <laughs> like, I can do something about that. Like, I just get to sit down and put my seatbelt on and pray and hope that this thing makes it there. I got no control. It's a lot like our lives. Our, our whole faith is that they know what they're doing up there. I just need to sit here and worship. I just need to sit here and breathe. I just need to sit here and read and listen and eat some food and rest in the presence of God. And he's going to get me to my destination. I just need to trust him and not make a scene and stay true in worship. Amen? Jesus is the plane, y'all. We just got to rest in that thing and not move and not try to drive it ourselves. Let me drive this thing, God. <laughs> he said, just sit there and let me drive. That's the best way to have a safe flight. <clears throat> He's the whole plane. And then in 2019, we'd approach this Christmas season and next year saying, all right, God, I'm tired of driving the plane. My bad. You got to drive this thing. You, you got to make sure that both the, the wings are working and the, the engine's running. And, and you got the Holy Spirit. You got the Son of God. You got God the Father driving this. It's all wrapped up in the Word of God. I just got to sit in it. I got to rest in it. What we magnify, we glorify. I want to magnify the plane. I want to magnify the Lord. And that'll become the things that we talk about. The things that we glorify, and that'll change the way you feel. You start to get in the Word, start to remember the promises of God, the evidence of God's grace. One thing that I'm, I'm starting to do that's helped me is every single week, I'm going to do this in 2019. I'm going to take a moment every week, and I'm just going to write down all the evidence of God's grace throughout that week. Just got to remember, God, you showed up here. You showed up this day. You showed up this night. You showed up Wednesday at this time. You showed up Thursday at this time. You showed up Friday when I didn't even expect it. You showed up Saturday with my family at this time. You showed up Sunday at Walk Church at this specific moment. I felt it. I knew it. 
and I'm going to remember all those things. I'm going to have a whole journal of a full year of God's grace. That should magnify his glory. Amen? Amen. Let's keep reading. I'll stay here all day. Let's keep going. The next thing that we see here in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through is this. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The second part of her song. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. What she says is that, hey, I need a Savior. That God is my Savior. That this baby is going to be the very one that saves her too. It requires a spirit of humility, doesn't it? That this mom would say, you know what, this baby's he's, he's going to be my Savior. That my spirit rejoices because I need to be saved. And God is my Savior. All of us today need to be saved. If you don't know that, I want to convince you of it from Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Simply put, let's just read it together. Ready? One, two, three. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in that verse. That's a verse for all of us. We can all take that and say guilty. The definition from sin, the definition for sin is simply this, that you've missed God's glory. That there's a big target that says the glory of God, and at some point in our lives, we just missed it. Sometimes we got way far away from it, right? And God tells us that the wages for missing his target is death. It says, that you, literally, you missed the target, you're done. You have to pay for your miss, and you pay for that with your life, unless God sends a Savior in your place who will pay for your sin debt in your place. And Mary says, I know the Savior. He's on his way. I don't have to worry. I just have to worship. I don't have to talk about my problems. I just have to praise my way through them. That's what we see here. That Mary says, the Lord's looked on me and he's given me a Savior. Requires humility to have that type of view. The third point in the message today is simply this. God's eyes are on the humble. That the Lord looks down from heaven at this church and at this city and he says, you know what? I'm going to focus in on those who have a humble spirit. Those who say, you know what? It's not even about me, God. Those who say, you know, it's not my way. It's your way. It's Yahweh. It's not going to be my strength. It's going to be your strength. It's not going to be my word. I'm choosing your word. It's not going to be my decision, I'm going to let you make the decision for me, God. That's humility. To say, God first, others second, me third. God says, I, my eyes are on the humble. Let's look at it. The next verse tells us this. It's, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Mary says, I'm trying to think all the reasons why he would choose me. The only one I can think of is maybe because I was humble. Maybe because I knew it wasn't about me. And that it's always been about him. Later on in the scriptures, there's a verse that says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Psalm 138, verse 6, David the psalmist writes, Though the Lord is great, and he is, amen? The scripture says he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. That verse hit me hard, and maybe it would for somebody here today. Maybe you've just began to sense a distance from God. Have you ever been in a season where you're like, man, I, I feel like I once was close, 
And now I feel distant from God. I feel like he's not quite close like he once was. I feel a distance. Let me just tell you something. God never moved. You did. And you know what moved you? Your pridefulness. The pridefulness that says, you know what? I don't need God. The definition of pride is literally this. I don't need him. I don't need his word. I don't need his voice in my life. I don't need to go to church. Some of the most prideful things a person can say is, I can love Jesus without going to church. That means that Jesus, I can have your mystical spiritual head. I just don't, I want to cut off your body. I just want to take my Jesus, personal Jesus loves me. I don't need, I don't need nobody else. You know what that is? That's pride. That's saying, you know what? That's pride. When we need Jesus and we need his church and we need his people and we need to be here, anything else I feel like is pride. I can't give a tenth, God, because it's my money. That's pride. I can't serve because it's my time. That's pride. I can't hold a baby because this is my opportunity. That's, that's pride. And God says, hey, look. You can distance yourself all you want. It's not going to work for you at the end of the day. People distance themselves all the way to hell. Why do that? Reject Jesus. Reject Jesus. Reject Jesus. Reject Jesus. Reject her. I'm prideful. I'm prideful. I'm prideful. I'm prideful. I'm I'm prideful. They fall off. And then say, hey, pastor, why did I fall off? The very moment that you can say, you know what, I'm going to humble myself. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to worship. It takes humility to say, God, it's all about you to worship him. Because so often we worship each other, don't we? You can go to a football game today and worship a bunch of guys playing on a field. More than you worship him who created the field and created the ball. And I'm not against sports. I'm an athlete. I love it. I'm going to cheer myself, but I'm going to not give my worship toward that. Because my worship is reserved for the one who's great and good is the Savior. Amen? This Christmas, ask yourself, am I more humble today than I was last year? Or am I more prideful? Do I have to win every argument? Does it all, does it, does it, is it so painful to say, I'm sorry? Is it painful or can you just say it? Say, I blew it. I'm wrong. I messed up. I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? And when you apologize, don't do this. Don't say, I'm sorry that you felt that way. That's a bad apology. No, apologize that you made the person feel that way. Amen. That'll save you a whole lot of heartache. That'll save you from sleeping on the couch tonight. Somebody. All right, let me keep going. Let me keep. All right, I'm done. All right, let me give you the last point of the message today. Find your identity in him. Find your identity in him. Find your, don't, don't find your identity in this world, but find it in him. Mary closes out the lyrics of her song. She closes out. This is just the first verse. you got to go read the rest of the song. It's incredible. 
It's one of the most important documents ever recorded in history, Mary's Song. You can find more theological truth in Mary's Song than in most books that are out today filling up Christian bookstores and libraries. Just Mary's Song is so good. She finishes this little first part by saying, For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now I was thinking, why would she say that? And what I think, that, what I think Mary's saying, I think Mary's saying that, you know what? I'm not going to allow the world to determine my identity. God said I'm blessed. I'm blessed. The world is going to say that I'm a, I'm a whore. The world's going to say I'm a cheater. The world's going to say I'm an adulteress. The world's going to say that I missed it. The world's going to say that I'm a struggler. The world's going to say I messed up Joseph's life. The world's going to say that I have a past that nobody knows about that I'm, I'm hiding. Even when Jesus was older, sometimes the Pharisees would, would say things like this to Jesus. They would say, hey, well, at least we know who our mom is, right? Like, Mary never, necess- Mary never got over this. People still think she's crazy. People still think she's lying. And you know what that is? It's pride. That's why they're distant from the Lord. But Mary sang a song that's full of truth. And how about it? 2,000 years later, we're still saying, man, that's a blessed woman of God. She could have chose the temporary route and said, God, don't choose me. I I don't want to deal with all that. But she says, you know what? My identity is going to be found in him. I'm blessed. She goes, I am blessed. I am blessed. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. I'm blessed. And, and, all, and, and all the generations are going to call me blessed. And there was people that read that that are, that are laughing. Like, Mary, no one's going to remember you for nothing. And here we are, aren't we? That this young lady's obedience to bring forth the Savior of the world, to, to worship instead of worry, to magnify the Lord instead of magnify her struggle. To be humble instead of prideful. And to allow God to shape her identity and not the world. Don't allow other people to label you. Allow the Lord's word to tell you who you are. If he says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. If he says that you're free, you're free. If he says that he sees you as a child of God that's holy and righteous and blameless because of your faith in Jesus doesn't matter what anybody else says about your past you are holy and righteous and free and blameless go out of this place and live like it your identity is not shaped by the creation God says it it is true and Mary said I'm blessed because of who I am in him and that's what I want to encourage you with today is to turn your worry into your praise and allow God to shape your identity. Amen? Let's pray.